Well, if you have your Bible today, you'll want to turn to Proverbs chapter 31 is where we're going to be. So if you don't have a Bible, you might look in the pew in front of you. There's probably a Bible there. If not, there's one nearby that we can get to you. Definitely. It's good to be here uh, on Mother's Day. I'm sure for a lot of us, it's a little bit bittersweet when we have mothers that have passed on. My mother passed on, I think, believed it was in 2017, so it's been about five years. And I think about her often, but I especially think about her on Mother's Day and wishing that she would be here, but she was a believer in Christ and we have that hope of seeing them in heaven, amen? amen. We have that hope and so not all is lost, but uh, I know it's a little bit bittersweet for some people, but I would love to talk today with you about a woman who fears the Lord and that she is to be praised. And this is from Proverbs chapter 31, the latter part of that chapter, beginning with verse 10, which has become known as the Proverbs woman, the description of the Proverbs woman. So we're going to read that and talk about it today. And I think be encouraged by it. I want mothers to be encouraged by it as well because ultimately we do appreciate you so much. I mean, I cannot imagine a world without the ladies in the world to step up and to do all the things that they do. Yeah. And it's not just about things that they do, it's the way they do them in a loving manner. Amen. And uh, they do them well. And whenever there's chaos, there's more than likely a, a woman, a, a, a lady nearby who will come in and settle that chaos and get things straightened back out. So we need men and women both, right? You know, in a few weeks it'll be the men's turn and we'll talk about them and how they are needed in the body of Christ. But we need men and women both. We believe that men and women are equal. Uh, but we do believe that they, in the Bible and in the homes and in the church, play different roles. They do definitely have different roles. And so we'll talk about those a little bit as we read Proverbs 31. Let's go ahead and read that. And we always stand uh, for the reading of God's word. So this is a little bit lengthy, but there's so many good things in here. And obviously we won't have time to talk about every single verse, but I do want to talk about the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And you'll see that in verse 30 when we get there. Proverbs 31, starting with verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchants. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household 
are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers them, delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with, with, with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for the scripture that we have here today. We thank you for the precious scripture that has been given to us and preserved for us that we might know your ways and your will for our life. And it really is not a question of not being clear because you make your will so clear in the scripture for us. And we're glad today that we see this picture of this woman who is a woman of excellence, who is a woman to be praised because of her fear of the Lord and how that affects her family. And so, Father, we pray that you might teach us, not only women here today, but men as well, because many of these principles apply to men as well. We are all to fear the Lord and to trust in him. And then he will guide and direct us in all things. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that as we continue, that you continue, continue to give us understanding and that we might not only understand, but accept these words. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the key verse that I kind of picked out for this scripture that we have here today is Proverbs 31.30. And let me just read that again. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I believe this is the key. If we were to look at all these verses and try to encapsulate them, then the thing that we would pull away from it is that a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And that's why we are here today. Some might say, well, is it appropriate in a church service to pay so much attention to women and praising them? Shouldn't we rather be praising God? And that's a very good question. The truth of the matter is, is that scripture right here says that a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so I think it's scriptural for us on Mother's Day to praise women as a means of also honoring God, right? So it always goes back to God because a woman who is praiseworthy is only so because they fear the Lord. And so the purpose of this proverb really is to inspire the women who are out there to encourage them to fear the Lord and to be more like this woman. It is not to make you feel like you don't meet up to expectations because that would be easy to do in this section of scripture, right? We could say, well, I never live up to those expectations, but it's not to put anyone down, but it's to build people up. It's to give them a goal to aspire to. And so we do that and we talk about it in order to inspire men to fear, women to fear the Lord and to be like this woman. 
We do it also to inspire others, especially husbands and children, to praise women who fear the Lord. Everyone needs encouragement from time to time, right? Amen. Especially the ladies, I believe, because they take up so much the weight of the home on themselves and deal with so many things, sometimes working other jobs as well. And so they need some encouragement, and this is our way of encouraging you. And we should encourage every day, not just on special days as well. Uh, ultimately, the purpose of this proverb as well is to give praise to godly women and their qualities as a means of giving praise to God. Like I said, it always, always comes back to God. So we've talked about that a woman to be praised is one who fears the Lord. What does it mean? to fear the Lord. We've talked about this many times, right? We have talked about this many times. Fear may be a word that we are sometimes uncomfortable with referring to God. Most people say, well, you really shouldn't fear God. God is a loving God, but he is someone definitely to be respected, right? And that is what that word really means and comes down to. It's not necessarily that Christians are afraid of God, but it means that we respect him, we hold him in a sense of awe. And just a small example of that might be the Grand Canyon. Has anyone ever been to the Grand Canyon? Amen. If you have been to the Grand Canyon and you've <coughs> looked out over that Grand Canyon, there's something about that Grand Canyon that gives you a sense of awe. And really what it's designed to do is to point you back to the creator, the one who <laughs> created that, and say that God is awesome for creating such a thing. But that's what a sense of fear is. It's a sense of awe. And it really does not mean scared or terrified unless maybe you are not a Christian. And then I would say you probably have a right to be afraid of the judgment of God that is coming upon you. That's not to make anybody uncomfortable here, but it's the truth is that without a relationship with God through Christ, then we are subject to God's full judgment. And I don't think anyone wants to have that. Listen to an illustration from scripture. This is from Exodus 20, verses 18 through 20. And it says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpets and the mountain smoke, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. So that's a, that's a pretty good description of what it is to fear God. And I have one other example that I think is good as well. This one's a little bit different and not taken from scripture. And I think I've read this here before but John Piper, he's a well-known preacher who gives this description of what a healthy fear of God is like. And so he gives this example. His wife and his boys went out to some friends of theirs uh, a few weeks ago. They have a big dog that's a German shepherd. And he was as tall as their little son, Benjamin. And this dog greeted them with barks and growls from where he was chained up. But after we were there and in the house with the dog, he was friendly. 
Then we went outside again and Irene gave a stern, a stern warning, don't run from him. But as Karsten, one of the Piper's other sons was heading out to the car, the dog came trotting up behind him and instead of slowing down and petting the dog, Karsten started to run and immediately the dog barked and growled. And John Piper says, what a lesson in the fear of God. Irene was Moses and she says to the Israelites, the Piper family, do not fear to draw near, but keep the fear of the dog or the fear of the Lord before your eyes, lest you try to run away, lest you fall into sin. God is a joy to be near and a terror to those who flee. The comparison breaks down, however. Irene put the dog in the basement, but nobody puts God in the basement. He goes on and he says, if you are running from God because you are afraid of him, then you are not yet as afraid as you ought to be. In fact, your very flight is a mockery of God, presuming that you think you could outrun this German shepherd. If you really fear him, listen to this, if you really fear him, fear God, and love your own life, stop running and turn around and hug his neck for dear life, and he will lick your face. The fear of the Lord is fear of fleeing out of his fellowship into the way of sin. Therefore, the fear of the Lord is full of peace and security and hope. Let me read that again. Therefore, the fear of the Lord is full of peace and security and hope. It keeps us near to the merciful heart of God, our fortress, our refuge, our sanctuary, our shield, our sun. Isaiah 8.13 says, The Lord of hosts, let him be your fear, and let him be your dread, and he will become a sanctuary. A proper fear of the Lord keeps us under the shadow of his wings where we need not be afraid. I think that's a pretty good explanation. If we can, ca if we can catch everything that was said there, we... When we flee from God, that is when we are in the most danger. We're fleeing away from him into sin, into rebellion against him. But when we turn, and as he did with the dog, put your arms around the neck, then he will love us, and we come under his protection. Does that make sense? Amen. So it is a good thing to fear the Lord, to respect him, um, and that's what we should do. That's what it means to fear the Lord. So, for the Christian, the fear of the Lord, let me repeat this once again. For the Christian, the fear of the Lord is fear of fleeing out of his fellowship into the way of sin. And a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Okay. One other thing is that it's proper for husbands and children to praise godly women who fear the Lord. Husbands and ch children should praise their mothers, um, their wives who are fearing the Lord. Look at the scripture here today. In verse 10, it says, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. Godly women who fear the Lord are far more precious than jewels. Jewels are a very rare thing in our world. I wrote down here in my notes, but not at Freedom Baptist Church because we have godly mothers here, amen? Those who fear the Lord. 
uh, if when we honor them as ladies who fear the Lord, uh, they become very trustworthy. Um, they will cause us as men to prosper. And uh, in verse 11, it says, therefore her husband is to, be, is to bless, pra bless, praise her and her children who are to, to bless her. So why is it important to praise a woman who praises the Lord? First of all, we want to encourage them. And I hope, every, hope today that this is an encouragement to you that we appreciate the role that you play in our families and we appreciate the work that you put in. We should learn today and think about how we can encourage the women in our life today. I hope you will do that. Maybe it's taking them out to lunch today. Maybe it's doing something later in the day with them. Maybe it's something that's gonna happen in the next few weeks. But make it a point to try to write down something that you can do to honor the lady that is in your life. We do it also to encourage them, but also to honor God. To praise a godly woman is to bring honor to God, who is the inspiration and source of power for her godly life. So how can you tell if a woman fears the Lord, what does that look like? Well, first of all, women who fear the Lord have certain qualities that we are to aspire to and praise. And so down through these 22 verses, we've looked at there are qualities that are there of a woman who fears the Lord. First of all, they are not anxious about their future. Look at verse 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the times to come. She's not concerned about the future although she prepares for the future. But ultimately, she trusts in God and is not anxious about the future. She follows the verse which we've talked about very much, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I would think that this would have to be a key verse for a woman who fears the Lord. To place their trust in him alone and not to be anxious about anything. I think mothers of all people have more things to be anxious about than just about anybody else. There's so many things on their mind, so many concerns, so many cares that they have. But the one who fears the Lord will trust in God, not in themselves, and they will not be anxious about anything, but they will take everything to the Lord in prayer. I think that the woman who fears the Lord also has practical wisdom. We know and understand from Proverbs, other verses, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The, listen to that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. So the beginning of wisdom is not somewhere on the internet the beginning of wisdom is not somewhere in books or in a library somewhere, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, the wis of wisdom. And so she has that and she is able to teach her children about the kindness of the Lord because of her wisdom. So verse 26 says, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She does this because she fears the Lord. She has learned his teachings and his ways. She is strong. She's physically strong. Look at verse 25 that we've read. 
Strength and dignity are her clothing. She's hardworking, busy taking care of her family and also God's work. She often works with her hands, although this is not always a necessity, right? But I don't, I don't know of any woman that does do some work with their hands, but that's really replete throughout these verses. Let me just read a few of them. In verse 13, it says, she seeks wool and flax and works it with willing hands. In verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. Verse 19, she puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. Verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. And verse 31, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. She has physical strength, she is hardworking, and she also has strength of character. She is not like one of those spoken of in, in 2 Timothy who allow false teachers to creep into the household and capture those women who are weak, but she is strong in character and strong in her convictions about what the Bible says. The woman who fears the Lord lives not only for herself, but for others. She lives for her husband. In verse 11, it says, the heart of her husband trusts her and he will lack no gain. In verse 12, it says, she does him only good and not harm all the days of her life. She lives not only for herself, but she lives for her husband. A godly woman increases the esteem of her husband if she has one. Proverbs 12, 4 says an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like, like rottenness in his bones. Leave it to Proverbs to put it exactly what it is, right? But an excellent wife is a crown of her husband. She lives for the good of the needy. Verse 20, I think we've read that a couple times, but... She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's one who has her eye looking out for ways that she can help the poor and the needy. And in conclusion of all this, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised, amen? And you ladies are to be praised today. A lady who fears the Lord is the one who has made Jesus as Lord of her life, would you say amen? amen? And so you might be asking, well, how do I do that? Is it just for ladies or can I do that as well? Maybe you're a gentleman out there and you're wondering about what does it take to be a, a Christian, to follow after Christ? I think it's first thing that we must realize is that there is a creator. There is a God who has created everything that we see. Amen. And it's not necessarily popular in our culture to talk that way. Uh, most people would say that our planet came uh, as a result of the Big Bang and stars exploding and forming into galaxies and then forming into planets and then evolution taking place. I find that very difficult to believe. Although I believed at one time, I think it takes more faith to believe that than it takes to believe that there's a creator God. So I believe that there is a creator God. I think where you see intelligent design and you see an earth that is designed for humans to live on, that there's a designer behind that. And so I believe that there is a God who created all things. It says, the word says that he created 
everything physical that we see, but he also created us and he created us in his very own image. He did that for a reason. So we have a purpose. Each and every one of us have a purpose in this life and that's to image forth what God looks like to the rest of the world. In other words, we're supposed to be little Christ. Literally, that's what Christian means is little Christ. We are to be like Jesus so much that when people look at our lives, that they see a little bit of what Jesus is like. The problem that came about is that we sinned against God. We sinned against God and our nature was changed. We are still in the image of God, but the image that we give to people is like a cracked mirror in a way. It doesn't give a true representation of what God is like. And therefore it says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means that we don't match up to God's expectations. Believe it or not, God expects us to be perfectly holy. And that means no lying, no cheating, no adultery, no lust, uh, no coveting, that we must honor our fathers and our mothers, and we must do that all perfectly. And you might say, well, how can I ever do that? Well, we can't. <laughs> we can't ever do that perfectly. But there's one who did do that perfectly, right? Yeah. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ came. He was the Son of God. He was born in a manger, but he grew up to be a man who lived the perfect life and he lived it on purpose so that we might through faith have his perfect life. Does that make sense? We must have Jesus Christ. And so Jesus came, he died on the cross for our <coughs> sins, took all of our sins upon himself and was separated from the father in a way which we can't really fully understand and went into the grave, but on the third day he arose. He arose because the grave could not hold him. The grave could hold us, right? If we were to sin and be in our own sin, it would hold us and it would never let us go. But because Jesus was perfect and had no sin that he had ever committed, the grave could not hold him. And now he says that everyone who places their faith and their trust in him will have the same righteousness and perfect life that he had Amen. and will be forgiven of their sins and can be reconciled with God. Amen. This is what we want. Whether you, whether you understand that here today or not, but this is what we crave for, is to be reconciled to God and have a bright future looking forward to being with him for all eternity. And the good thing is that he offers it here today. Amen. Right. He offers it here today to all who would place their faith and trust in Christ, turning away from their sin and placing their faith and trust in Christ. And that offer is here for you today. And we're gonna have time of prayer and then we'll have a song. And it'll, th this time period is designed for you to consider your relationship with God. Do you have one? Have you... Have you moved away from God and need to come back to him? Or maybe you've never trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, and today is the day that you should do that. The scripture definitely says not to put this off, that today is the day of salvation. And so let's have a word of prayer as you consider not only the woman who fears the Lord, but your own 
relationship with God? And are you in a right relationship with God? And it's my prayer that you will accept him even as we pray. Father, we thank you so much for the greatest gift that has ever been given, the most precious gift that has ever been given. If you collected all of the gold in the universe, it would be significant, but not as precious as the person of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ. And it has been given as a payment for our sin. My prayer today is that if there's anyone here today who does not have a relationship with Christ, that they would consider their sinful behavior and what is going to atone for that. What's going to happen when I die and I face judgment and I have to bring these filthy rags, so to speak, toward God and be judged on our unrighteous deeds. And if all of us were to do that without the blood of Christ, we would all fail that test. We're not pointing fingers at any particular person or sin, but we have all sinned. We've all told lies. We've all told uh, untruths. We have all stolen. We have all lusted and we would all fail that test. But the good news is that Christ has made a way. And the way is to receive him as Lord and Savior. As Lord means he is master of our life and we follow his will, which is the best thing for us. But it also refers to him as Savior, which means his sacrifice on the cross was sufficient for all who had placed their faith and trust in him. And so the choice is relatively simple. Choose my way of life that I'm going now, which is in the wrong direction, or turn around and put, put my arms around the neck of God and let him love us and forgive us as we place our faith and trust in him. Father, it's my prayer that we leave this place and no one has not made that decision. Father, we love you. We love your son, Jesus, and for his sacrifice. We love your Holy Spirit and pray that the Holy Spirit would do his work in making the truth known. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.